Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Practitioner Radio, episode 38, Pink Elephants Podcast for the IT management community. This is Chris Dancy, and I'm here with... Troy Dumoulin. How are you doing, Chris? No, you won't even let me give you superlatives today. I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. So our 30 minutes always goes much faster when we have a third guest on. Yes, it does. And we had a real treat last week with Jack. So this this week, we're, we've come down, and we've got George. <laughs> So surprise! Surprise, surprise, it's George Spaulding from Pink. So this week, episode 38, we're joined by with uh, George Spaulding from Pink with Troy and I. We're going to just do a preview of Pink 13. Now, George, since you're on, on the show, George, I have, a, I have a, a little bit of trivia for you. Are you ready for trivia? I'm ready. Where were we on this day in January 2011, George Spaulding? January of 2011. Oh, well, that would have been, we were in Toronto. And, uh, you know, I was picking you up every morning and we, we kept eating at the same <laughs> restaurant every night. We had poutine and you had fried shrimp like 27 times. <laughs> but even more important, <laughs> you and I on that morning with David Ratcliffe came out of the closet after recording episode one of Practitioner Radio on this date in 2011. Well, there you go. So this is an anniversary. So this is our second anniversary. I didn't want to spoil the magic. So congratulations, Troy. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, that's right. You guys, you did the first show. It, that's true. It was David, me, and and uh, George in the sound of our room at Pink. I remember it well. Yes. So uh, I'll go ahead and put a link to that in the show notes. But uh, for all of those people who have listened to Practitioner Radio over the years and kind of gotten into it and, you know, I love you and Troy. Actually, no, it didn't start out that way. It was, it was a threesome and it was uh, George, <laughs> me, and uh, David who started this and then pink i think troy are you you know episode two was you and i it takes a while to get to the smart people but we eventually get to troy we did well, that's good to have you back though back to our roots george thanks back to our roots i love it and in that episode we talked about pink 11 and i think pink 11 was kind of a seminal moment for many people i think in our industry who were connected to social media at that point because the pink video kind of went viral from the conference, it did indeed. Yes, that was the that was the big uh, eight minute long pink video with uh, going for social media, talking a lot about social media and um, IT's role in social media, whether it has one or not. Uh, I agree, it did go viral. We ended up with I don't know thirty five, forty thousand uh, views on YouTube. Yeah, everybody was talking about it, and not just like during the conference, but for months afterwards. It was a it was really phenomenal to watch. Now a year later. We recorded episode 22, and Troy, you might remember this, but that was our second most listened to episode ever, and that was on culture and transformation. And in that episode, on that January day in 2012, we talked about Pink 12. Do you remember that show? Well, it is an annual cycle. I do remember the show. We we talked about it in our end of year review because it was one of the, like you said, one of the top three. Yeah, the top show was the one we did live Still, to this day, the number one show was the show we recorded live on the service management office. So here we are on our third anniversary of uh, recording the uh, show about the Pink uh, Elephant uh, Conference, and this is Pink 13. And George, we thought we'd get you in here and really get our head around 
what we're going to see and kind of, can we get some backstage like glimpses for those people who don't? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that. By the way, aren't, don't you want, let's do a little promo for you guys too. So uh, Troy and uh, Chris will be live at, uh, on Monday, February the 18th. I assume that will be Practitioner Radio 39 and you'll be at the show. Yes, indeed. Yep, that'll be 39. Right, you'll be live 7.30 in the morning uh, Vegas time. Um, and you'll be live during Practitioner Radio 39, and that'll be exciting. To, that's part of the show. And that's great. Yeah, we're in the grand, grand ballroom, so come on over and grab a, a biscuit or a bagel and or whatever you grab and, and say hi. So, George, I, I'm really looking for exclusive behind-the-scenes stuff, stuff that you wouldn't find out about Pink 13 anyplace else. Can, can you help us out with that today? Well, first of all, can we go with some of the public stuff before we get all the backstage <laughs> gossip going? Well, yes, yes, yes. I just want an early commitment so when we run out of time, you can say, well, we ran okay. out of time. Uh, so anyway, so the show show really gets underway on the 17th of February. Of course, it's in the Bellagio in Las Vegas. And uh, at 5 o'clock, we open up the Expo Hall, and that's when we roll out the bars and roll out the food, and that's when everybody hopefully is already there and registered and ready to go and then comes into our Expo Hall, and, uh, and we have a good time. Uh, we drink a bit, and we eat a bit, and then we uh, turn you loose at 7 o'clock to go enjoy Las Vegas. The, uh, the vendors, who may well listen to some of this, will then have uh, other, other festivities that I'll be part of as well. Just the vendors, not, uh, not any normal people. And then, uh, then we kick off the next morning on Monday morning, the 18th. First of all, of course, we have some breakfast clubs, and then we have you guys at 7.30. And then at 8.30, we roll with um, our, uh, our host, which will be Wayne Cotter. Uh, we'll have a video as well, and hopefully that'll go just as viral. Uh, it's basically uh, focused around the tipping point in terms of 2013 and what's really going to happen in 2013 in the world of IT and what's not. Well, the world didn't end, so we're okay there. Yeah. So then uh, then we go with our first uh, keynote, which uh, well, our host will be Wayne Cotter. He's very funny and he's, he knows his IT stuff. And then we'll go with our first keynote, which is Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's the only astrophysicist that anybody can understand when he talks. Uh, and then we take a break, and then we go into Captain Sully Sullenberger, and then, of course, we have lunch and a bunch of stuff, and then we have lots and lots of uh, breakout sessions, very intense uh, mind-numbing content. I'm sure Troy will be part of that. <laughs> mind-numbing, do you think? Yeah, that's what I'm laughing at, <laughs> mind-numbing. Mind-numbing. Troy, you are the mind-number of all time when it comes to your content, trust me. It's wonderful, it's fabulous, but, you know, it's you're so much smarter than I am, or at least younger. Troy's Novocaine for the neuron. <laughs> Novocaine for the neuron. Nice! I like that one. Thanks. George, you bring it out of me like a little girl. Yes, I apparently do. Anyway, uh, moving on. So, anyway, that night we'll have another reception, more booze, more food. That'll be in the Expo Hall. Then we kick off uh, day two, we give out the awards the uh, IT Excellence Awards, uh, which is the uh, project of the year, the innovation of the year, and the practitioner of the year. We give those out Tuesday morning. And then um, Troy will be doing a little mini keynote on Tuesday morning as well. Ooh. So if you, like, if you like Troy, he's your man. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. Disruptive technologies and your career. Be there. First of all, your career should be a disruptive technology. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If this technology is disrupting your career, you're in the majority. Yes. Let's say, uh, say evolution and selective evolution is not kind to everyone. Yeah. Which side do you want yeah. to be on? Nice. Okay, now don't spill all the beans, Troy. <laughs> anyway, so then uh, so then we go in. Then we have Sally Hogshead. 
and she talks about how to fascinate us. And I urge all your listeners to go to uh, her website and type in Pink Elephant for the event and fill out the little questionnaire. It only takes about three minutes. She's looking for scores of, of all the you know research of people who listen to this kind of radio and also attend our conference. So she's going to present that research at her uh, at her keynote. And then we have uh, Matt Ridley, whose topic is when ideas have sex. I, if ever there was somebody who could comment on that, Chris, it would be you. But the uh, I'm, I'm a little bit older now. That's just something I'm going to leave there. I'm just going to leave that right there. So this is like idea procreation. <laughs> well, yes. What it means, of course, is something along the lines of. Two plus two equals six, you know, so it's mm. like, yeah, we got this. Yeah, we got this. But when you mix them together, wow, that kind of thing. So it's much more than the sum of the parts. Mm. Um, that's his that's his message. And then, uh, of course, we have lunch. Then we have more mind numbing content. <laughs> and then at, uh, at about 530 that night, we roll out the Pink Floyd tribute band that was so well received back in 2008 dun, called dun, 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 Which dun, One's dun, Pink? Dun. And Which One's Pink has been providing us with pre-show music uh, on both mornings. And now we roll out a full-fledged rock concert, a Pink Floyd rock concert, uh, starting at 5.30 that night. And uh, with, of course, an open bar and some stuff to eat. And then around 7, 7.30, we turn you loose to go enjoy Las Vegas. And then we come back around again on Wednesday. And this time we, we start off with Chester Elton, who talks about the Orange Revolution and basically how people can become better at communicating when the world of IT, that's a, that's a big topic. And uh, he promised that he would throw carrots out into the audience. I, I don't know really much more than that, but uh, that's what he told me. So, uh, and he'll be there and then I'll wrap it up on Wednesday right before lunch. It's kind of a recap of the conference and some uh, individuals both from Pink and Consulting World and also some case study presenters. And then we'll go, and then everybody goes to lunch. And some people go home. Some people stay for the free workshops Wednesday afternoon. And there you go, man. That's kind of the quick and dirty of what's going to actually happen. And yeah, now we got 20 minutes to kill. Gosh. I'm exhausted already. I am. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, but, you know, somewhere in the mind-numbing content, we have about 130 different topics and different sessions where people will be able to be able to choose basically whatever track they want to uh, they want to attend, and whatever area they want to focus on. Hopefully, people will bring more than one uh, one group for one a team from a given organization. And what happens is they they tend to split up and go and attend uh, different tracks and different sessions, and then they regroup in the in the evening talk to each other about what they heard and what they liked and what they didn't like and things like that. So how many people are coming? Well, once again, we've been able to maintain our attendance uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15, 1,600 people will be there all in. And we're very pleased with that and very proud of that because we, even with the recession, we never really dipped, stayed pretty much where we were, went down a little, came back with all the travel restrictions and things like that, but we're doing well. So, hey, let's talk about some of the, some of the um, you know, electronic part of this. So, of course, we have Twitter. We have, we have a standard Twitter account in, in Pink Elephant called the ITIL Experts. That's our normal, everyday Twitter account. And then for this specific event, we've set up another Twitter account called Pink13 underscore live. And that's where you can, uh, if you follow that account, you can get real-time updates over Twitter. And that'll be going on throughout the conference as well. And then we have, uh, we always use a specific hashtag. In this case, it'll be Pink13. 
And that'll be for all tweets concerning the conference using the hashtag Pink13. And for questions, we'll take our Q&A for each of the keynotes. We'll use Twitter as our, as our Q&A device. We'll throw TweetDeck up on the screen and, and pick, some, uh, pick some questions from the, uh, from the audience. Or even from people who might be watching, oh, 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 live over the internet, because we're streaming all of the keynote sessions live over the internet using a live stream. And uh, starting February 1st, you'll be getting some information on where you can get that link and, and um, that type of thing. We did that last year without, with almost zero promotion. We were able to get 150 people watching some of the keynotes. So, man, we figured if we could do it this year and actually promote it, that would be an idea, wouldn't it? So it's possible we could get several hundred people, additional people watching the keynotes live as they're going on. Woo! I, uh, I feel like I've been to the concert. There you go. And, and wait, wait, and there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. Yes, Troy. So, you know, George, this is the 17th year, if I'm not mistaken. It is. And uh, how many of those have you been a part of? Well, I was a, I was a part of, like, around the second or third, and then I kind of dropped out for a couple of years, and then I pretty much have been back for the last... Well, I've certainly been back since about 03, so for the last 11 or 12 of them. Okay. Yes, I've been there. So, from your point of view, and you actually are fortunate to travel the world and attend... Lots of conferences and events of all sorts that related to IT. What, what do you, maybe the, the, the top three things that you've seen change in the attendees between 2012 and 2002? Well, certainly in the last couple of years, the last few years since the, um, um, since the recession, we've seen an increase of government mm. uh, people and an increase of higher education people coming to the conference mm. and also coming to our courses and, and things of that nature. Uh, I'm not sure why. We really don't. We're, you know, we're, we'd love to know why, but uh, all I'm doing is looking at the reality and saying, hmm, okay, uh, there they are. And uh, so that, that, that is, uh, that's a significant change. What we what we also see, and this is something that uh, Troy and I have talked about, uh, he doesn't, of course, experience it yet, uh, but I do. So, you know, as you well know, Chris, I am, I'm in the, I have advanced age. Mm. Yes, I'm, I'm old. Yes, uh, certain Indian tribes would actually find you godlike. Yes, well, that would be nice. But what the truth is that certain 22-year-olds find me, unknow- uh, they never heard of me. Mm. So what, what, what's going on is that, uh, that you know, uh, people like yourself, you know, who've, you know, been around the industry for the last 10 years and uh, last 20 years, I, I've been, I've been pretty, uh, you know, pretty much out there in the industry and people know about me and whatnot. But in reality, what I've had to learn and what I've had to face is that the 22-year-olds, uh, you know, they say, um, well, and George Spaulding will be speaking. And they all kind of look at each other and go, who? Mm. <laughs> who? Right. So what, what we are finding is that we're having to kind of reinvent ourselves a little bit because we have that generational issue where, where we have brand new people who are coming on who maybe have never even heard of Pink Elephant. They've certainly never heard of me. And, and uh, maybe they're just hearing about Idle for the first time. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we we uh, we have to learn. We have to go. We have to do a lot of prongs at the conference, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we have to have kind of a beginner group and a beginner track that, that people can kind of say, I don't know anything about ITIL, but and I would like to learn it. So we have that. And then we have to have an advanced track that where people say, you know, I've been doing ITIL for the last seven years. What can you teach me? That's practitioner radio. Yeah, of course. We have to have that. 
And then, and then we have we've a lot of specific things. And also, we're, we're spreading our wings. So we've consistently done this over the last few years. But uh, we have, you know, we're getting involved with COVID-5. We're getting involved with the PRISM certification out of ITSMF USA. Uh, we're getting involved with Lean IT, uh, ISO 20,000, things of that nature. So we have sessions on all of those things as well, as well as the, because Pink is getting into actually training on those topics as well. Nice. That's very cool. Do you think, uh, just, you know, I guess I'll do a question to Troy and then we'll throw it over to George. People who attend events today, you know, I was fortunate enough, I think my first pink conference was probably 99 or 2000. I didn't know what to expect. So expectations, are they different or, or, or do people fill out? I mean, have you seen, literally, have surveys changed over the years? How people, the types of comments they leave? Or what, you know, what are we seeing in the, because you guys have an advantage that so you see the IT workers and get to communicate with them and actually collect that feedback. What are the, are, are, are there any tangible things that you're picking up? Well, you know, I was thinking about this question when you asked George his initial question, and I was thinking, why do people come? Mm. And I was thinking, that actually has changed over the years. First and foremost, they're coming because they're trying to get something done. They've been told by their boss, listen, go figure this out and bring it home and adopt this or change that. But the why they're there has changed over the years. Uh, in the earliest days, it was, you know, how do I get operational stability? You know, how do I implement my incident problem and change type process? Then we had ITIL version 3 come out and then suddenly it was all about services and services, service catalogs and request fulfillment. Then we had that whole era around Sarbanes-Oxley and every, everything at that point was now governance and control and compliance. So, you know, the sessions, you know, reflected that at the time. And then we had 2011 come out and everyone wanted to understand what the changes and implications were. And then I think, okay, well, what does 2013 mean? What's, what's the kind of focus? And what I've been thinking about recently and, and why you see tracks around Lean and Six Sigma is we really are still trying to do more with less. Mm. Uh, so the question now is more about how do I do this to improve efficiency, effectiveness? How do I not just do the right things, but how do I do the right things right? Mm. Leveling, balancing. And so you'll see that in our, in our program. I think that's the question people are asking now. The tools are the same, but the goals are trying to achieve have changed over the years. Well, they're more sophisticated goals, I think, is the, is the truth. They not, not only do they want better efficiency and do more with less and things of that nature, but they're, they understand that they have to do all that at the same time that they're maintaining service quality. And previously, quite frankly, they didn't even know what, what they were doing in terms of service quality. So they've matured. They're, all, they're offering services. They're offering services to the business. They're offering services actually within IT to other IT groups. And now, to, and they've, they've even started to um, understand that there's, they've made promises to people, and we call those service levels and service level agreements. And they have to keep those promises. It's no longer acceptable to break promises within IT. And then at the same time they're doing all that, they have to do. They have to have improved efficiency, and they have to do new stuff like uh, BYOD and um, you know mobile computing and those kinds of things. They have to do all that at the same time, and so it's just it's IT's always been kind of squeezed, and I think they're continuing to be squeezed. There's more stuff they have to do. They have to do it better, and they have to do it cheaper. And they're, uh, they're trying to figure out a way to do that. And this past year, I've been in a number of organizations where 
they, their IT shop survived and actually flourished as a result of heroism. Basically, mm. you, you got a bunch of heroes running around and, and they're doing heroic efforts every day. And uh, they realized that because the business is going well, they've, they've made some good business choices, et cetera. So, so now they're saying, well, how can we grow as an organization with this basic IT strategy? And the answer is heroism doesn't scale well. Mm. You better get yourself some processes, folks. And they all, they're basically realizing that. And in all of its simplicity, that's what they're realizing. We really need some processes. We can't even think about talking about services until we get the basic stuff going on. So you have all these different organizations really at different levels. Some are just saying, boy, we got to get those processes in shape. In some cases, the very basic processes that Troy mentioned, incident problem change, a little bit of config, maybe dabbling in release, which is kind of getting more sophisticated. Even though they want to talk to you about services, they really need to get the other stuff going, the blocking and tackling first. So you have those organizations, then you go all the way up. As you both stand on the, the big pink stage in 2013, and you look out, one of the most interesting things I've seen in the last few weeks was uh, the iPhone anniversary for the iPhone 1 in 2007. Uh, people were posting videos of Steve Jobs announcing it. And I, I took a photo of the audience, and then I took a photo of last year's audience. And literally, there are more machines in the crowd than there are people. As you guys stand up on the stage and you look out, you've, you've watched over the last six years people's heads go from watching you to falling in their, into their hands. As a speaker and as a person, you know, as someone sitting in the audience who then watches people around you doing this, you're in IT, so you're multitasking, you're doing more with less, but do you have any reflections on this, this, this movement of being in two places at once at the conference? Yeah, we've had to deal with that on a lot of, you want a backstage story, we've had to deal with it a lot. <laughs> so uh, the backstage story of that is, of course, we have to ask, we ask slash pay slash beg the Bellagio for free Wi-Fi for the conference area. Well, mm. there was a time when I used to, when we had, you know, 12, 1,300 people come to the conference, but I will only buy 250 connections. Mm. And um, that was fine. Nobody had a problem because they, not that many people brought their laptop. And, of course, that was all they would bring, right? So suddenly, one year, I buy my usual 250 connections from the Bellagio. And about, I don't know, an hour into the conference, we're out. Wow. <laughs> we're, out of, we're out of addresses. And, um, you know, my folks are coming to me going, hey, dude, we're out of addresses. This is crazy. People are getting bumped off. What's going on? I said, well, what, what, what's going on? And I went, oh, no, it's iPhones. Smartphones were all looking for their Wi-Fi connection the second they walked down to the convention floor. Mm. So we had to that year on the spot go and get an extra 750 and get a thousand addresses so that people could connect all of their devices. Then, of course, we had people coming in with iPhones and iPads and tablets and Galaxy tabs and all the stuff. So now everybody has sometimes two devices, maybe even more than two devices that are looking for addresses. So from a you know logistical standpoint at the conference, we've had to accommodate that to make sure everybody could get on. Maybe you should sell passes per device, not per person. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that'll be a big hit. <laughs> Would you like to buy your Wi-Fi pass, please? You know? No, no, you have to actually buy your conference pass for your phone, not for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not as crazy as it sounds. Because, you know, I just did some research this morning, Chris. There's there are six billion, over six billion active mobile subscriptions in the world. And that of course doesn't make any sense because that doesn't say that every human being doesn't have one. Oh, no, that's true, but some human beings have two or three. 
So it's uh, that doesn't that doesn't include that's not just smartphones that's all cell phones but it's pretty amazing that we now basically have a mobile subscription for every man woman and child on the planet uh, and because we well know that there are many men women and children that don't have phones so yeah you know the the, the human side of this question though is uh, you know can they really pay attention to more than one thing at a time you've been talking recently about you know in the moment uh, Chris or. <laughs> You know, you're starting to talk about this concept that I still kind of grasping. Mindfulness. Mindfulness, yes. where you can just kind of disembody yourself and you know, pay attention to more than one thing at once. And I'm going, how is that possible? Because I heard a speaker last year talk about the fact that uh, really multitasking is a myth. Mm. Well, one of my favorite lines from that speaker last year was, hey, hurry up. I don't have all minute. Mm. You know, And that that's kind of the way people are thinking now. You know, everything has to be that fast. Not I don't have all day. I don't have an hour. I, I don't have all minute. Everybody wants instantaneous stuff. So getting back to your discussion about multitasking, I I don't think people can do it. I think people are either reading texts or they're listening to what's going on. Hmm. Um, it's interesting, though. There's some some new stuff coming out on Broadway and some of the big cities. Um, they're, they're having tweet seats for these, uh, for these live performances. So instead of yelling at everybody for getting their phone out, they're saying, if you would like to tweet about this performance while it's happening, please go over and sit here. Hmm. And they're encouraging people to tweet because, of course, they know it's good, uh, it's good promotion for the event. Uh, but it's very different uh, these days, people thinking of it, trying to think of it in different ways. Yeah, well, Tori and I talked about this just real quickly, but at, at what point do you attend something and at what point is your device? And I think we cross that line. I think some people take their, go on vaca- their, their machines go on vacation and they just happen to be there helping their machines. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, but, but again, you guys have a unique uh, backstage perspective because you've seen this. You know, I think it'd be really crazy, George, if we could find out how many people accessed the Wi-Fi at, a, at its peak at any one given day because I bet it's three or four times the number of actual physical people. Oh, right? I agree with you. And the problem is, of course, in order to make that fair for people, what we do is we, we limit the reservation of the address to a finite period of time, like 30 minutes. So mm. when somebody gets connected, after 30 minutes, they'll be dropped and they have to reconnect. Uh, that way we can get you know, a better sampling, but more people can get connected that way. And does this change? You know, this is not a conference, but uh, I, I want to get this in before the top of the uh, show. When you're teaching class uh, and you've got folks, you know, hopefully they're all sitting there reading the book and following along. But some of them will, you know, it's the new smoking. They go outside to check their phone. Yeah, uh, okay. uh, does that change your dynamic as an educator at all? Or, or do you have to be cognizant and, and respectful of people to, trying to do multiple things at once? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm respectful, but I'm also, um, I'm also realistic. Uh, when they, when they spend their time texting or answering their email while I'm lecturing, mm-hmm. um, and then they turn around and ask a question that I've already <laughs> spoken about and already answered. In fact, somebody else even asked the question that they weren't <laughs> listening. I, I'm not subtle. about the fact that we've already done that and I'll answer it again. But if you're going to spend your time on your phone, I'm not going to do the class twice, once for everybody and once for you. Nice. Uh, And and they kind of get it at that point. But you give Mm. them enough breaks, they can check their email. I ask people to shut their laptops so that... But But they're taking notes on their laptop. Yeah, Yeah, we're moving moving to an e-materials world. That's not even possible. I've just just heard all the excuses. Right. Now, yeah, now it's not going to be possible at all. They're going to be doing the class on their laptop. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think something interesting I saw last summer was, uh, are you both familiar, have you ever heard of 10,000 Maniacs or Natalie Merchant? No. Yeah. 
in the middle of her concert, some people were up in front of the stage filming her and talking to her, and she just stopped playing, and she said, uh, I'll continue to sing when you start to listen. Whoa. Oh, that's countercultural. <laughs> yeah, people just erupted in applause. So you got to see this rift happening, and I think... Uh, you know, Pink has always been the, in the vanguard of understanding and watching these things. And as you said, you've got a, a new video you're debuting this year. George, we have a tr- tradition on Practitioner Radio. Ah. And I'd like you to help me out today. And first, thank you for being a guest. Uh, Troy and I really appreciate it on such short notice. Sure. Troy, do you have any idea what's going to happen next? I do. But before we go there, I want to say one last thing. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm most excited about in the conference? Seeing me in person. Well, that's there, and the good friends like Rob England and such. But Charles Betts, the the thing I'm excited about is that the um, one of the networking reception we're going to have bobbleheads again. Nice <laughs> in 2007. Troy is you got to see Troy in the bobbleheads. I think he goes, he keeps, he goes in line, then he does it, then he gets back to the back of the line, does it again. <laughs> It's ridiculous. And, and, Unbelievable. Uh, Rachel Pennings and I and some unknown client at the time, maybe someone could name him. I'll put the show I'll put the link in the show notes here. We had a great time. So I'm excited about bobbleheads. Bobbleheads. That's, all right. That's so, really scary, Troy, of all the things. That's scary. If you take anything away, mind numbing content and bobbleheads. But anyway, your question, it's that time. Guys, it's time for George's Thunderbolt Tip of the Night. Why, thank you, Chris. George's Thunderbolt tip of the day, February 17th. If you are anywhere but the Bellagio in Las Vegas, you are not at the pinnacle of the IT service management industry because that's where it's happening for the three days after that. Be there or be square. Wow. All right. This is Hexagon Chris Dancy. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Troy, pleasure as always. And George, good catching up with you. Can't wait to see you at the show. Thanks a lot, Chris. We'll see you there. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. 